Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. And I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy. And this is the podcast where we try to bend the motherfucking arc of history towards a more livable planet for you, for me, and everyone else. And we've been off for a while, but we're back. Uh-huh. And we can't wait to bring you some truly fantastic conversations. But first... Uh-huh. Hey, uh, have you ever wanted to listen to our show, but without ads? Yep. Uh, do you like fun talks? I mean, some people like those more. Different discussion. Uh, do you love our newsletter, but wish Brian would just read it to you instead in like five minutes or so? Unsure. Uh, would you like a discount on some of our awesome merchandise at our store? I mean, it, those all sound great. And if any of them sound interesting to you, then today is your big day because we're launching our premium feed and all those things are on it. That's right. For just $5 a month or forty nine ninety nine dollars a year, sorry, that's forty nine ninety nine dollars a year, uh, which is a 17% discount on the monthly plan, nice. uh, you get all that shit. Uh, ad-free, save the world conversations, fun talks, our newsletter in digital print and audio, and a discount on our t-shirts and coffee mugs, hoodies, stickers, all that stuff. And... For the this is very exciting. For mm-hmm. the very first time, our shit giver merch is available for purchase. So many people bought it the second I did that. I love the shit giver merch on social. Yeah, I mean it, it went crazy, That's which awesome. is super fun. Uh, look, if you value our work and you want to invest in the future of it and help us to grow and make change and stir shit up, please right now go to importantnotimportant.com slash shit giver and join up. On to the show. All right. Uh, Today, as always, we're going to dive into a specific question affecting everyone on the planet right now. (laughs) If it can kill us or make the future a hell of a lot cooler for everyone, we're in. That's right. Our guests are scientists, doctors, engineers, politicians, astronauts, uh, candidates for office, even a reverend. And we work together towards action steps our listeners can take with their voice, their vote, and their dollar. And this is your friendly reminder that you can send questions, thoughts, and feedback to us on Twitter at ImportantNotImp. That hasn't changed. Or email us at funtalk at ImportantNotImportant.com. You Just can looking also, for a yeah. few more characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can also join the tens of thousands of other really smart people mm-hmm. and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at ImportantNotImportant.com. That's right. Uh, and this week's episode is our first one back. We are digging into immigration uh, because it turns out that many of the immigrants coming to America lately uh, have tried to dig into the dirt at home, but the soil is uh, increasingly parched. Hmm. Ryan. Interesting. Uh, and our guest, Jessica Cisneros. She's okay. from South Texas, and nobody knows these immigrants' stories better than she does. And she's just out there trying to change lives. Yeah, very excited uh, to talk to this young woman. So uh, let's go do it. Bye. Our guest today is Jessica Cisneros. And together we're going to ask, how is climate change already affecting immigration to America? Jessica, welcome. Hi, thank you all so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Jessica, real quick, uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jessica Cisneros. I am an immigration human rights attorney, um, but I currently stopped taking cases because I am running for Congress. So I'm running to represent the 28th District of Texas down here in South Texas. Um, It's a lot of ground to cover. It runs from San Antonio down to Laredo, Texas, which is my hometown on the Rio Grande River, and then down to the Rio Grande Valley in Mission. 
So I've been running. Um, we've launched back in June, and we are now a couple of weeks away from Election Day. Election Day is Mar- March 3rd here in Texas. And just so everyone's clear, uh, when does early voting begin for your district? It starts on February 18th. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think this episode uh, is either going to, yeah, it's going to drop before that for sure. So get on it, people, if you can do it. Uh, <laughs> and, and remind everyone uh, how voter registration works down there, if you could. Yeah. So the so in order to vote for this election, the registration date already passed. So if you want to vote for the election, you have to register 30 days before the election. Okay. So the deadline for this was February 3rd. So it was on Monday and we were crazy out there trying to make sure we were registering as many people as possible so they wouldn't miss the deadline. Awesome. Well, listen, folks, uh, you, you might be registered and not know it, but check and and find out and then go do it so we can... We can help Jessica change the world here. Uh, Jessica, I know you're tight on time today, which is great. It would be really weird if you were running for such an important office and you're like, yeah, no, I got plenty of time. Um, But just a quick reminder to everyone, our goal is to provide some uh, quick context for the question at hand. And then we're going to dig into some action-oriented questions uh, that get to the heart of why we should give about uh, give a shit about it and and what everyone can out there can can do about it. Um, Jessica, we do like to start with one important question to kind of set the tone for our conversation today. Instead of saying, uh, Jessica, tell us your whole life story, as amazing as I'm sure that is, we'd like to ask, Jessica, why are you vital to the survival of the species? Wow. Well, I mean... I think, well, especially in the context of this race, right? Yes, it's a primary, you know, I'm running in a Democratic primary, but there could not be a starker contrast between um, me and my opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, So my opponent is Henry Cuellar. And when we're talking about, you know, environmental issues, the fact that we're dealing with a climate crisis, he's really on the wrong side of, of those issues. He's one of the top congressional recipients from the oil and gas industry. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, unfortunately, he decides to vote to roll back environmental regulations, including, you know, the Clean Water Act and um, allowing, you know, fracking to continue and, you know, just hurting our environment in general. All of those issues are really personal. I mean, to everybody, um, but we also have our own stories down here in South Texas. So even a few months ago, um, we had a water boil notice. So we literally could not drink our water for two weeks because it wasn't safe for us to drink drink it. (sighs) And you're talking about Laredo, which is more than a quarter of a million people. It's not mm. a small town. No. Um, and the fact that we didn't have access to clean water, right, in this day and age. And when you tell people like, well, you know, it's because we don't have the right infrastructure for this. We're not taking care of our Rio Grande River. And a lot of it has to do with the leadership that we have. Um, people get it, right? And um, for me, you know, be running and making sure that we have champions out there that are actually going to, you know, stand up to the fossil fuel lobby um, is important because we all know what's at stake and not just for my generation, but the generation that's going to come right after. For sure. Assuming there will be more. Um, exactly. would, it would be great <laughs> if we could make it so that would happen. Um, Jesus. Well, that's awesome. And and as far as I understand, again, so everyone, everyone gets it, this is a primary you're running in, but it's but it's hugely important because your opponent, the the incumbent has has vo- as a Democrat, that is, it sounds insane, has voted with Trump 70% of the time. Is that correct? That's right. In the last wow. Congress, he voted with God Trump 70% of the time. He's known to fundraise and endorse Tea Party Republicans in competitive congressional races in the state. 
He used to be Rick Perry's appointee to the Texas Secretary of State position. Which is just not, that's a red flag, like, (laughs) all day. (laughs) Exactly. If you Google the guy, my opponent is Henry Coyad. Um, If you check out Google Images, you'll see a picture of George W. Bush cradling his face at the State of the Union. Oh, my. Um, So, yeah, you should, y'all, I bet everyone (laughs) to check him out. (laughs) We will definitely put that picture in the show notes. Um, so that people can print it out and put it on a dartboard. All right. Again, I know you're tight on time here. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Maybe after you win, we'll come back and have a longer conversation. <laughs> but I know that you, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's tough to focus on one thing at a time because the world is trying to tear itself apart. But immigration is such a, a big thing in America and around the world right now. And it's only going to get bigger. And I know it's really specific down there, obviously, and and, and for you. So just some, some quick context for folks real quick just reading from the guardian recently uh there was a ruling uh it said is unlawful for governments to return people to countries where their lives might be threatened by the climate crisis uh which was a new ruling that the human rights committee uh the un found and it says the judgment which is the first of its kind represents a legal tipping point of sorts and a moment that opens the doorway uh to future protection claims for people whose lives and well-being have been threatened uh, due to global heating. And it's obviously more complicated than that, and, and we'll link to the article in the show notes. Um, but basically, world governments, including us, uh, despite what they try to do, we're still one of those, uh, while they're not bound to that ruling, uh, they mm-hmm. do seem to be now on notice that they could be in deep shit when it comes to human rights violations if they don't get working on climate change and they try to return people to their home countries for those reasons. Um, so there, there's more to it, but Speaking specifically about about your area and and uh, I believe your your parents uh, came from Mexico. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, from from the the Center for American Progress says um, persistent drought, fluctuating temperatures, and unpredictable rainfall have reduced crop yields throughout the Northern Triangle. And for everyone who's not aware of that that's a region that comprises El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. Uh, challenging livelihoods. So many people down there are subsistence farmers and access to food in agriculturally dependent communities. Obviously, the media is not telling the full story of why people are want to come here so badly. Um, and and I w- wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you have seen in your job and and why you're running and and the reality on the ground, quite literally, for for so many of these folks. Yeah, it seems like the environment and immigration, um, you know, are very interrelated. And I think you see that, especially here on the border. And, um, you know, all these issues are just, and this, uh, especially under the Trump administration, I feel like immigration and environmental issues seems to be, seem to be on the attack at the front lines, you know, every single week. Like there's always a new rollback. There's always a change of law. Um, but in the work that I've been doing, so I've been doing immigrants' rights work since 2012. Um, in the last couple of years has been specifically helping people um, that are facing their removal proceedings while they're detained in the detention centers. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing to see the large group of people that come here for, well, they'll tell you economic reasons, right? They're sure. like, well, you know, I, I just couldn't, um, I, I had to provide for my family. I did what I had to do to be able to make sure that they had what they needed. And then you start diving into it a little bit and be like, okay, so what were you working in? Like, what were you doing? A lot of these people worked in the fields and because it's, you know, a very big agricultural community down there. 
and and they start talking about the effects of climate change. They don't label it like that necessarily, but they'll start talking about, you know, the symptoms. They'll start talking about the effects that, you know, what once used to be fruitful land wasn't anymore. And that's why, you know, they couldn't subsist anymore. They couldn't live off of the land anymore and they had to find a way to survive. So a lot of them decided to come to the United States to be able to provide for their families. And as a daughter of Mexican immigrants, like I, I understand that. Um, my parents came here because my sister actually needed an urgent medical procedure that no doctor in Mexico wanted to perform because it was very high risk. And obviously my parents made that decision because they wanted to make sure that their daughter was okay. And, you know, even though this was a medical issue, I can still see it in other families that had to come here because they wanted to make sure their children were okay too, right? Mm-hmm. So for a lot of folks, you know, unfortunately, because the asylum laws are so strict, um, they aren't able to qualify for asylum because, you know, being a climate refugee isn't doesn't exactly fit the definition. But there's many people that have been living here for many years that have other forms of relief, even though they came to the United States for for those reasons. One of the interesting things, though, in my line of work is I've been doing research into asylum law is that when the law was proposed in the United States back in 1980 was that in if you actually look at the legislative history and the conversations that were happening and the debates one of the first drafts of the law actually had had imagined the idea of climate refugees which is really? very interesting and a lot of people don't talk about it later on it was you know scrapped um, but the fact that people were thinking about it back then I think wow. it just shows that we've known that the climate, you know, crisis has been happening for some time, um, and it's finally great to see it at the forefront of people's minds because it really is and a threat to to all of us. Wow. Hey guys, it's Quinn. If you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts, and you probably like music too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you might be, and you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. You can just search for Important Not Important on the Spotify app or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Very convenient. And of course, you can follow us so you never miss an episode of Important Not Important. Uh, Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service, and now it can be your go-to for podcasts, too. Jessica, Jessica, you said you've been doing immigration work since um, 2012, right? Hold on, let's go back for a second. Since 2012? Mm Mm-hmm. So, and now it's 2020. uh, Just a quick question, how old are you? I'm 26. So I've been doing sure. work around immigrants' Were rights and advocacy. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was probably 19. Um, I was working wow. in um, interning in nonprofits, um, doing a lot of advocacy work around, you know, DACA, because that's when uh, 2012 um, DACA was announced by President Obama. That's when I start, first started hearing about detention centers and, you know, the human rights abuses that happen in there and, you know, trying to advocate around the closure of that, which unfortunately is still, you know, a fight that we're facing to this day, um, sure. especially when you're talking about it in the context of family detention. I mean, you, you don't want to know what I was doing when I was 19. 
You this, don't know what you were doing. I don't even you. remember. Yeah, it does. Uh, much so less wild. 26. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, the reason I'm asking is just because it's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's inspiring. Uh, and, you know, how how do you think, how does your age, uh, you know, and, and the work that your generation is doing define, help define your candidacy? Well, I guess it's the way my age is playing out right now. Um, it doesn't play out the way that people expect it to, where people think that people in my district might be cautious about a 26-year-old woman, mm-hmm. you know, running for Congress. Mm-hmm. It's actually to our benefit because they're like, yeah, we need, you know, fresh new ideas. It's great that, you know, the younger generation is stepping up and trying to make change and people find it incredibly inspiring. And I think for me, the best thing is to see other young people rally behind um, this campaign because they know it's not just rallying around me as a person. It's rallying around the issues that are important to us, whether it be addressing the climate crisis, whether it be addressing immigration, especially in the context of the wall, which is already being built in areas of our district, having access to healthcare, right? Basic things that, that we feel our people deserve and that we deserve the opportunity to have a voice in Congress to fight for those things. That's awesome. I mean, it's inspiring. We we work a lot with Sunrise and 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 folks like that, and and is just it's it's hilarious and amazing to feel like we are not just like the oldest people in the room, but right. like by a long shot. <laughs> uh, and it is just so in, inspiring to literally just say like, how can we help? What can we do? Like you guys should run everything at this point. I think that's that's the idea, right, Brian? Yes, please just take like, over. Get everybody out of here. Go go ahead, Jessica. What were you gonna say? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, and one of the best things that I've seen as part of this campaign is even seeing even younger people that aren't still able to vote, like they're 16, 17 years old, 15 year olds, you know, being and wanting to be involved with the campaign. Um, I think that's amazing. And if you actually take a second to engage with these, you know, younger folks, like they blow your mind with how much they know and um, that they really want to make a change as well. And I think at this point, we know that age isn't doesn't mean that our opinions aren't valid. I sure. think it's, you know, the, it's our experiences and it's pretty great to see them have an active role in, in this campaign as well. And if anything, I mean, again, like your opinion is is more valid, like just by necessity of the fact that everyone dies and, and right. uh, you guys are going to inherit this world for a much longer period of time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, relative to to the, you know, 80 year old guys who don't know what Facebook does, who are making all the decisions. So going back to the folks that are coming here, you know, we talk a lot about how we're going to feed 10 billion people in a few years and how in some respects we already have enough food, uh, but we waste it or it's not distributed well. But, you know, when I think of the the, the, the raging heat and the unpredictable monsoons in India or or like we just talked about the glaring and, and growing lack of food security in the Northern Triangle in your parents' home country of Mexico, I think like it's so much more complicated than like, can we just feed everybody? But on the other hand, it's, it's simple, right? And it's so, so similar everywhere. Like people need to know where their next meal is going to come from. And that's extra important if you, if you are a farmer and a substance farmer. And, and so I just want to go over that because I want to be crystal clear for our listeners who, who get it, you know, they're progressive action-minded folks, but it seems like these folks that you've worked with don't have another choice but to come here. Is is that right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people that I get to, t- um, you know, work with, um, they tell me, they're like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have to, right? Like people, it's really hard to just get up and move somewhere where, especially if you don't have 
um, family members or friends or just a support network, right? And it's scary. Change is scary. And a lot of the people that I talk to, like, they'll tell me, like, I really would rather be at home, but I just can't be there because there's just no way that I can provide for my family or there's just no way for us to survive. Right. I mean, just like you said, leaving a support network, leaving behind traditions and places and people that you've grown up with and your parents and grandparents, uh, you you don't do that uh, willy nilly. No. Mm -hmm. So scary. Right. Ugh. Texas, you know, has just a hell of a lot going on, right? Um, from, <laughs> Feels like an understatement. From, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, from the results of, her, uh, of Hurricane Harvey um, and, uh, you know, exponential wind power growth to possibly flipping the state house blue. Um, what, what is your state doing to prepare for, I guess, the, this new world? Yeah. What, what, is a, what is a blue Texas mean to you if we're able to pull that off? Yeah, I mean, there's so much work that's being done by activists and organizers everywhere, you know, trying to turn Texas blue. I mean, with this campaign, we're trying to focus in South, on South Texas because, mm-hmm. as you all know, my race just comes down to the primary and we want to make sure that we're doing our part in being a team player from March to November um, to turn Texas blue and make sure that we increase voter turnout in South Texas because that would really make a difference. After this, like we really hope to address the issues that people are concerned about. I mean, obviously, healthcare is a big one, immigration is a big one, and the environment also, right? And I just think there's so many things to go after. I think one of, I mean, my personal when people ask me like what my number one issue is, it really is getting the money out of politics because I think if we're able to address that, then it's easier to address the whole other host of issues um, that really need to, to be addressed. For me, I really want to see an investment in my community because I feel like we've been neglected for far too long from when I was a young girl, you know, being raised here in Laredo, um, there's a 30% poverty rate and that hasn't changed. There's areas in my community where there's no paved roads, where there's no running water, um, where there's a basic lack of infrastructure, where it's really hard to break the poverty cycle. And there's literally a quarter of the people in our district are uninsured. And another quarter, you know, are having to depend on, you know, nutritional assistance and, you know, other kinds of benefits because we are below the poverty line. So there's many things. It's not that we're not hardworking people, because if you actually look at the unemployment rate, it's below the national average. But people have to work two or three jobs just to make ends right. meet. And that's what I saw having to, you know, growing up here, like my parents had to do that. And I saw my neighbors having to do that and struggling to get by. When we're able, when we, when we do have a blue Texas, like I'm going to be fighting and advocating for investment in community, communities like mine so that we can have a diversity of jobs, right? Where people don't feel like they have to leave to other areas in Texas and instead they can stay here with their families and, you know, finally have the things that we, we deserve. That seems pretty special. I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> Sounds just normal and wonderful. And yeah, like, I why mean, would it be any other way? Why would you want something different? Um, so Jessica, our goal uh, is to provide specific action steps that, that our listeners can take to, to support your mission uh, with, their, with their voice and their vote and their dollar. So let's uh, quickly do that so you can get out of here. Um, lightning round style. Yeah, one question loves today. Lightning round. Yep. Um, so one, one super important question. How can our listeners support you in these last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, so y'all can support us by volunteering and donating. Um, if you go to jessicacisnettlesforcongress.com, um, you can find our volunteer link there. You can also find our donate link there. Um, we've been super successful in being able to fundraise for this campaign, and it's all been done through grassroots efforts. So um, every dollar counts, especially heading into March 3rd, because it's really going to come down to whether we're able to reach enough voters in time and your donations make that possible. So we really encourage y'all to help us with that. And also phone bankers, especially if you're bilingual. This district is yeah. uh, 77% Latinx and it's also 65% of people speak Spanish here. Um, so if you okay. speak some Spanish and want to volunteer, please sign up. Okay. Awesome. That's not me because I yeah. I am the worst language person that's ever existed. It seems crazy um, that we don't speak Spanish. It's, I got uh, it. It's uh, very frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, I'm, my children <laughs> can speak it so much better and I can. They're smarter than I am. Um, Jessica, this is fantastic. We, we can't thank you enough for your time today. I, I truly would love to have you back on after you win and yes. you have a little more time in your life. Yes. Uh, so we can dig <laughs> into things. One last question for you before you get out of here. Jessica, when was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? I was eight years old and in elementary, and that's when I decided I wanted to be an attorney to advocate for people that look like me and my family and my neighbors. What? At eight? First of all, that's incredible. Eight, Jesus. What ha- I mean, how come? What happened? Yeah, what, what was the, behind that? I just noticed that there was a lack of advocacy of people that look like me in areas in power, like spaces where, you know, decisions were made. I think, so my elementary school was right on the Rio Grande River. And um, sometimes I would see families coming into the United States. Um, and I think it was then when I was outside, like playing um, on the playground that I kind of realized that my family didn't look any different than the families that were coming in. And that I could tell that they were scared, right? That something was happening and I just didn't know what it was, but it felt wrong. But I knew that it had something to do with the government that we're learning about, the laws that we're learning about, you know, in, in mm-hmm. basic social studies. But it was at that time that I was like, I want to be an attorney so I can fight for those families because, again, I, I, they look just like mine. That's Pretty incredible. And and yeah. I don't say this in jest, but how did you know what an attorney was at eight? I mean, I, I can't remember like my eighth birthday party. Yeah. I feel like I was probably one of those kids that would argue about everything and make sure that, <laughs> you know, people knew what my opinion was. So I probably had Hell a lot yeah. of folks tell me, oh, right. you should probably be a lawyer when you grow up. Right. <laughs> and you're right. like, damn it, fine. Sure. Fine. Um, well, shit, that's, uh, that's really special. And, um, Man, uh, South Texas is is very lucky to have you, Jessica, and, and I, I hope we can we can help here in these last couple of weeks and 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 push it over the line. Besides just uh, defeating this this scumbag, um, uh, I I think the world would be a better place with with you in office. And man, I'm not sure if we deserve you, but we'll we'll take it. So uh, thank you for for deciding to be an attorney at age eight. Thank you for making the time today and and for for running. And yeah, uh, please just keep kicking ass out there. Anything else? Any last thing you want to say before your meeting starts in 30 seconds? <laughs> um, I'm about to run out to go make it. But um, no, thank you all so much for the opportunity to you know be on your podcast. Um, we're really happy that we can count with y'all support. And everybody listening, please tune in and make sure that you know, if we can count on your support, we'd be super grateful for it down here in South Texas. Absolutely. Love Get it. out of here, Jessica. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. 
Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. <laughs> and you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jamming music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks.